being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Work it, make it, do it, makes us harder, better, faster, stronger. Yeah, that, 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 that don't kill me, can only make me stronger. I need you to hurry up now, cause I can't wait much longer. I know I got to be right now, cause I can't get much stronger. Man, I've been waiting all night now, that's how long I've been on ya. Yes, sir. That's how long I've been waiting, I've been waiting all week. Of course, you know that. That's where I start off every show, letting you know that I have been waiting since the last show to have another one. Glad you came back. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. Boy, I got a lot to talk about. I am starting to become a believer um, of the guys that are on the network, of which have said to me time and time again, Ray, come on, man, can you hook us up? We need a little bit more time. An hour is not enough time to talk about all the things that are happening in the world of sports. And so I agree. I agree with them that perhaps maybe we need more time. But I can't do that at the moment because uh, I think this network is being truly blessed. Uh, I have been working at this for some time. Uh, It's been a dream of mine of which the network. uh, Shout out to Jeff Spinar, president of Voice America Sports, well, Voice America Internet Radio, but particularly a uh, avid supporter of Voice America Sports. And uh, Jeff sees the vision of what could possibly happen, and it's all coming together uh, due to some good friends. So for all those guys who want to have some additional time, we can't do it, fellas, only because there's going to be more and more and more and more uh, opinions of those of us who have played this game uh, even those who coach this game. But Voice America Sports is growing. So I'm going to have to try to squeeze it in. So I'm going to have to try to squeeze it in. And I've got a couple things. I, I'm sure you've heard a few shows today, this week, last week. And there's a lot of things going on in the world of sports that I'm going to talk about. But there's one thing in particular that I want to talk about. and And I guess it has a lot to do with the fact that, you know, there's a lot going on that many of you may not know about as it relates to what's happening in the National Football League right now. This is a historical moment in pro football. This is probably the most historical moment that has ever arrived in professional, I'm going to say professional sports, because pro football is, is probably the biggest of all. And there is a collective bargain agreement that you hear many of the guys on the network talk about it that is about to be negotiated. And every player is going to have a voice, past and present. Uh, As long as you're here on this earth, you're going to have a voice. And a lot of us here at Voice America Sports, we have a microphone. But one thing I want to say, and this maybe has a little bit to do with the collective bargain agreement, maybe not. But it certainly does because we all need to be on the same page. Now, I happen, like many of you, happen to be a fan of ESPN. And ESPN is what it is 
because of the fact that you have guys that have put forth their blood, their sweat, their tears. They've made tremendous sacrifices. They've given you all they have to give. They've laid their lives on the line. Some of them have come away from that game with their bodies, you know, disformed. They've lost a lot of functionality. The mobility they used to have, some have even been paralyzed. Uh, At a younger age of the fraternity, some people have even died. We do it because we love the game. I mean, really, you love to play that game of football. But do not ever believe that along with that love, part of what you love, you love all of it. And that all is inclusive of the compensation that goes along with it, meaning the money. Now, I'm watching ESPN, and I see Tom Jackson, Keyshawn Jackson, uh, Keyshawn Johnson, I'm sorry, Chris Carter, Coach Mike Dicker, and Tom Jackson. And the question was brought up about playing the game, and I, I don't know how the question was put out there. But to kind of, kind of summarize what the issue became, became was if you play the game for money. And one thing that we have to do as athletes is certainly, let's, let's be honest now. The thing, it's changed now. We, we can't deceive ourselves and certainly let's not deceive other people out there. This game is all about money. Don't, don't think that it's not. And I don't know why people take offense when an athlete steps up and says, yes, it is, it is about the money. All you have to do is just go out to playgrounds, go out to football fields, soccer fields, and you tell me how many 40 and 50 and 60-year-old men or women or out playing those games. Yes, you may love that game, but it's about what you can do when it comes to playing that game at the professional level. Pros are pros because I believe it has something to do with compensation. You get paid to be a professional. And that's what this game is. all. This game is, it's, it's not a game, it's a job. It is a job. And players... Don't be afraid to say it's your job. You need to let people know that you're aware of it, that you've been educated enough, that you understand that this is your job and that you get paid to do this. This does have a little bit to do with the collective bargaining agreement because things are being bargained about when a player should or should not expose himself to further injuries. Now, Tom Jackson had the nerve to say that when he played the game, when he lined up on Sunday, whenever he played the game, you know, that he wasn't thinking about the money. Now, when you line up and you're looking at the offense and you're trying to determine what defense you're going to put the, you know, put the defense in because of the formation, maybe no, right then you're not thinking about the money. But Tom Jackson, come on, Tom. Now, maybe I've taken what you said out of context, that you didn't play the game for money. Tom, you played that game for money. I'm sure somebody out there knows Tom Jackson. 
Let Tom know that Ray Ellis said this. Yeah, they, he, he got me on the drive. He got me on the fumble, but he's not going to get me on this one. Tom, people are playing this game for money. Money. What does it bring to you if you perform at the highest level? You get, you're incentivized to play it at the highest level because there's some form of compensation there. Now, if they give you something tangible or intangible, it's still, it could be monetized. At the high school level, when you get a chance to play this game of football and you do very well, there are, I, I, right now, I'm aware of this, very much aware of this. There are athletic scholarships that kids can win to go to college. Do you know that college costs now well beyond six figures to educate a young man or a young lady? And if you're telling me that one's ha- if one has the athletic ability to play this game, that they're not motivated due to the fact that, guess what, if I play it extremely well, I won't have to pay to go to college? Now, they're not going to get that $100,000 in their hands, but they're certainly not going to have to come out of their pocket. So, yes, that, the incentive there is, is about money. You go to college to get an education so that you can get a better job. If you get a better job, you make more money. You then can do more things for your family, for your friends, for others. It's about money. And, and let's not somehow try to deceive those who are playing this game. There are no more dumb jocks out here anymore. We're very much aware of the fact that this game is about money. If nothing else breaks it down to this game being about money, will somebody please tell me why in the world, if you have an undefeated, undefeated team at the University of Cincinnati, would you want to consider going to Notre Dame? It's not like you're getting fired. Why would a coach want to leave one team to go to another team, and the only thing he's going to do there differently is put on a different uniform? He's going to coach a football team. So why would you leave one place to go to another place? Notre Dame is just as cold as hell as it is in Cincinnati. Why? It's about money. So why is it that the players concerned about protecting themselves, you know, that their their money is jeopardized? Or I can't believe you. I'll dare you as a, a fan say that to a player. Why are you concerned about the money? You should be playing the game. Fans understand that these players that play the game are their friends, are their neighbors, are their loved ones, are their co become their co-workers. They work out at gyms that they worked out when they were kids. They ran track against them. They play football against them. They're human beings. A human being should not have to put his life, livelihood on the line in order to perform in a football game. But that's the mentality that has been embedded in particularly football players. And I am so emotionally charged about this because Kwame Lasseter and I had a conversation this morning. And and we're going to get together and put together a show, a special show, so that you can understand where this all started at. This vicious game of football. It is a vicious game. It is embedded within the player's mentality to play this game this way. I watched Jack Tatum do this. People watched me do this. Then they started doing it. Mike Doss went on to do it at The Ohio State University. You know, and and, and now you, you, you got people out there. You got Malcolm Jenkins that is doing it in today's generation of athletes. You know, Kwame Lasseter talked about watching Ronnie Lott. 
And so then he wanted to emulate Ronnie Lott. And then somebody wanted to emulate Kwame Lasseter. This is something that's deeply embedded into players. And there are guys that are getting hurt. Their bodies are hurting. I remember going to a physical when I was released by the Philadelphia Eagles and my ankle was hurt so bad. And I remember just going through a physical in Cleveland and just grimacing, but hiding the pain because I didn't want to flunk that physical because that meant they couldn't sign me. So I had to sit there knowing that this doctor was about my ankle felt like he was twisting it off. But it wasn't broken, but it was hurt. I was hurt. I was in pain, but I did everything I could to fight through past that physical, made it. And it was about the third or fourth game into the season where I finally felt like I was back to 100%. But I didn't want them to know that I was hurt because if they knew I was hurt, I wouldn't have got signed. When you're on a team, I'll talk to you a little bit about, on the other side of the break, about being hurt and still going out and playing in pain. You're listening to Real Sports on Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. I'm going to take a break. I'll be back on the other side. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left. to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we... We cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you. Every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
right, we're back. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. Of course, I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Been here for some time now and enjoying it. Last night it was it was raining. I, I'm not gonna say it was it was it was cold and windy. The wind was like seventy something miles an hour, and and a hard rain with winds of seventy something miles an hour is a little frightening at times. But it wasn't snowy and cold. Like it's going to be in the east pretty soon if it hasn't already come on in. Speaking of the east, shout out, AI. You did your thing, man. You came back. Happy you back in Philly. But AI, come on, man. How you get to the stadium late? You get to the arena late on your first day. I understand you was a little nervous, but Alan, you should have slept there the night before so you'd been on time, man. So it wouldn't be a little bit of controversy. And people like myself wouldn't be asking you, why were you late? But uh, you attempted to do the best job you can, man, and I'm for you. Been a fan of AI since he first came into Philly, and uh, hopefully he'll get that franchise turned around. He'll start winning some more games. Got two AIs on the court there, but there's only one original, and that is Allen Iverson. Let me go back and talk a little bit. I, I can't. I'm not just going to let this thing go about players and injuries. And Tom Jackson. Tom has lost his card. Now Tom may not care about me, and I don't really care a whole lot about what he has to say because I, you know, want to check him on this one. But there comes a time, Tom, you know, people talk about role models. And I've said this so many times, you know, athletes need role models, too. But what role should a person play in someone's life? We have an issue today that, that's very prevalent in front of everybody's eyes. There's some of what happened within Tiger Woods' life uh, that has nothing to do with us individually. It, it has nothing to do... The influence that Tiger Woods has on me as a person, as they say, a grown ass man, is that I would someday like to play golf like Tiger does just a little bit. If I could learn a little bit from Tiger Woods about how to play golf, perhaps maybe I might not pass up all these golf tournaments that I get invited to because I'm embarrassed as hell to go out there and try to play the game of golf. That's what Tiger Woods could do for me. He could help me become a better golfer. I will say this to you. I would not pick up the phone to ask. First of all, I'm older than Tiger Woods. And not to say that an older person couldn't learn something from a younger person. But when it comes to interpersonal relationships, I don't think that that person who's been on the earth, you know, a decade shorter time than I have is going to be able to tell me something. Plus, I I, I got I got. Man, shoot, I got 20 plus, 25 plus, 26. Come on. Man, the wife been hanging in there a long time. Thank you for that one. And there's going to be some struggles. But I ain't calling Tiger Woods to give me no information on how I'm going to maintain my marriage. That's not what the role I want Tiger to play in my life. Parents, role models. You can be, everybody talks about Charles Barkley back in the day. The Charles just gave forth an incomplete statement. And it wasn't just a statement. It, it, was, it was a whole, you know, dialogue that he had with some folks. But the bottom line is, Charles should have said, shout out to Charles Barkley. This is what I feel about Charles Barkley. And by the way, I like him a lot. One of my favorite people because he's a stand-up man. What he, that's his life. That's my personal life. This is my life. Okay, he may have apologized for one or two things. And you can believe if Charles ever apologized for anything, it's because Charles wanted to. Nobody made him do it. He wanted to. We need more stand up people like that, because the fact of the matter is, if I wanted somebody to be a 
small forward in, in stature, height-wise, not width-wise, because Charles was a big man, but small in terms of height. Charles was only maybe Charles. Charles is only about six four. Now, that man can get that ball and back you up and post you up and take you to the hole and finish you off with a foul shot because he already got the two. That is a person who I want somebody to watch how he does that. That's the role I want Charles to play in my life is that if that's what I want to do, do, Charles, can you teach me how to do that? Okay, that's the role he plays in my life. I think we get confused when we look for a person who is, I don't care if he's a CEO, a CFO, a CIO, or whatever C. I don't need to see him do everything in my life that I need to do in order to be a complete person. I want him or her to play a role. And, it's a, and, and, and check this out. There's some diversity in those of which you can look to to be a role model for you. Don't, there's not one all-encompassing person who has it all because none of us are perfect. That's where we miss. We, we got this thing all screwed up as a society. We, we're not all perfect. So when we look for people to play a role in our lives, we got to look to different people to get it all right. That's just the way it is. So when Tom Jackson, I'm back to Tom Jackson, yes, has a chance to play a role as a former professional athlete who has been and walked in the shoes of the current player athlete. He can look back and tell them, there are some things that I know now that I didn't know then, that if I knew then, I would do differently. And here's one of those things. Yes, do you not know that coaches leave a job and go someplace else and make more money? Coaches are free agents whenever they want to be, really. Particularly at the college level. They can walk away. They, they told you to come to Akron University to play football. And you were 17 years old. By the time you're 19, because they told you it's the best place for you to play football. By the time you're 19 years old, they're not even saying see you later. They're out of there. They're gone. When Pete Carroll was my DB coach, first of all, he wasn't the DB coach when I came to Ohio State. He wasn't. But he was there my junior year. After we lost the Rose Bowl, I, I didn't see Pete. He was gone. He didn't, he didn't give me, well, maybe a couple minutes he did. Yeah, Kwame, shout out to you and your boys on the show this morning. I was crying in the locker room because we lost a national championship to USC. Wow, it happens like that. You know, at a young man's age, you know, sometimes that game means everything to you. And you get caught up in those emotions of losing a national championship 17-16. So you break down and cry. No apologies for it. I went out and knocked somebody out the next game. Okay, so, hey, no, no problem. But let me get back to Pete Carroll and those guys. The coaches take the money and run. So athletes who put their lives on the line, when you talk to a person like myself who played the game and you ask me what you should do while I'm in front of a camera or a microphone, I ask you what you should do. I'm going to tell you, you should do what's best for your family financially. And the financially for your family, because that's your job. That's your profession. Do you not know that your family does what's best for them? Financially, they have sick days. If they're sick, they don't go to work. 
I think we, people don't realize that in the football, in the world of football, we, football is so ugly. Let me say this. Football is so ugly that I remember when Randall Cunningham's wife was delivering their first child and there were fans in the stands and, and out in the media. They were discussing if Randall should go to the hospital and be with his wife or if he should go out and play a football game. Something is wrong with us when we don't realize what the most important thing for us as an a being is, and that's life itself. And people were suggesting that Randall Cunningham deserved, he owed he had an obligation to the fans, and he should be at the football game and ha- let his wife make the delivery. What's he going to do? He's not going to deliver the baby. That was their approach. That was their opinion. That was their perspective. His firstborn. My goodness, come on. So now let's put it back in perspective. Now you got guys putting their lives on the line. And the normal person has sick days that he can take. You have people that are afraid to even acknowledge the fact that they don't feel good because they might not play. I mean, you you don't let them play. they, They might lose their job. That means they can't feed those people at home. Sports is broken. We need to fix it. That's what I'm saying. It is broken. We need to fix it. Tom Jackson, be honest. Tell those young men. You must not have a son right now, Tom, that's playing ball, because right now it's about money. It's always been about money. It's just as we've gone through the years and had these different collective bargaining agreements, we've got more information. And it's, it's really now come it's, it's in front of our eyes. It's evolved and we're seeing it now. We saw a team that was sold to one person for 65 million and, and that person sold took it from 65 million and sold it to somebody else for uh you know a hundred and i don't know 185 million you know and then that person now has an asset that's worth you know billion a billion dollars it's about the business so listen in order for players to take care of their business and continue to feed their families their bodies have to be in shape. I am going to reveal to you. Go to NFL.com. Any of you who've never in your life taken the time out to go to the NFL site, go to the NFL site. They have a category there called news. Click on news. And then when the news pops up, you can see injuries. And then go down that injury list and look at how many football players that are on current rosters that are injured. And then they have them down as either out, questionable, doubtful, probable. Is that, the, is that the status? Okay, you're not feeling well. Somebody says to you, and by the way, I'm not feeling well. I, I'm not. I apologize. I'm, I'm not feeling well myself today. Maybe that's why I'm up on this tantrum. But am I going to tell my boss, okay, are you going to come to work tomorrow, Ray? Um, probable, questionable. Uh, doubtful, uh, out. Um, mm, I don't know. I'll try to find another one if I can. Those are the different status that are available for a person who's perhaps maybe going to play in a football game, is on a roster to play in a football game. But that's what happens. That's how they treat your body. Questionable, doubtful, probable. What is that about? These are human beings. They, this is a job. They get paid to do this job, Tom Jackson. So, yes, 
if a, if a person can leave an undefeated team and go to another college or university to do the very same thing for the money, then players can play for the money. I'm going to talk about the game that they just play for money when we come back on the other side of break. Here's the rail of sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. His foot is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the three is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Joe Cribbs, No Average Joe, is here for you, the fan, to hear about and discuss the week's top stories in the world of sports. We'll discuss not only the headliners, but you'll hear some of the smaller stories that don't usually make it on the sports wires today. It's a forum for the sports fan, hosted by Joe Cribbs, a three-time pro bowler with the Buffalo Bills. Joe is a 10-year pro football veteran, a former Southeastern Conference most valuable player, and a member of the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. Discuss the topics with Joe Cribbs, No Average Joe, Mondays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Listen to Rail of Sports and the Voice of America Network. Of course, I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. And uh, like I said, I'm not feeling well today, so uh, I'm just off on a rampage. Uh, before I go too far to the left, because uh, I, I guess Beyonce said to the left. To, yeah, that's it. Yeah, to the left. Uh, shout out to Nick Saban. I, I, I got to give a shout out. I, I, I include little Mac in there too, Mark McMillan. But uh, shout out to Nick Saban. Uh, for those of you who don't know, if I haven't told you, I think I have on several occasions. Uh, you know, I hold Nick responsible for the career that I had. He was one of those that contributed to it. He played a role in my life. He was my secondary coach at The Ohio State University. Um, he and, of course, uh, I, again, I'll tell you, it was Pete Carroll my junior year. And uh, they are responsible for me, a, a very big part of 
the success that I had in the National Football League and on the playing field. And I agree that Nick Saban is one of the best uh, coaches, uh, defensive coaches that are out that's out there in the game. Uh, but at the college level, there are some people that I believe are coaches that are able to coach people at different uh, phases in their lives. And I think he's a great college coach. You know, he's made to be a college coach. I tell you what, if there's another job, and I'm going to think about the jobs that are out there, but I'm going to throw this name out there because he's of the same mold. And I know he would be a great college coach. He brings some competition to some programs out there. And I'm going to stop and I'm going to think about it. And for some reason or another, I just don't think that Notre Dame is the place for him. So I'm not going to include him in one of those high-profile jobs uh, at the college level include to include Notre Dame. Notre Dame is not a part of this conversation. But Herman Edwards is a college football coach. Shout out to Herm. April 27th, his and my birthday. Uh, man, Herman, college. Go ahead. They make just as some of them make as much money in college as they do in pros. But Herman has a college coach mentality. Uh, Herman is a player's coach. He played the game, played very well uh, for many years. Uh, in fact, I think he may be number two on the all-time list of uh, those who have made interceptions uh, wearing uh, Philadelphia Eagle green, uh, Coach Herman Edwards. So uh, there are going to be a couple of jobs that are open at the college level, and uh, Herman should apply for one of those jobs. I don't think Herman would be successful in the National Football League. He had a couple stints at a couple of different places. Of course, we know he was in with the Jets. Uh, we know he, as a head coach, we know he was in Kansas City. And uh, those two places didn't work out for him. But, uh, and of course, he was, uh, you know, he is a protege of Tony Dungy. And uh, in fact, sometimes when I look at he and Tony, they, they resemble each other. Uh, but, and Tony, too, was a fine football player, both defensive backs. Um, but I, I think Herman, there is a job for Herman out there someplace uh, coming up real soon. So uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if he if he if he takes that job when it when it appears. But uh, certainly there is a job for Herman Edwards. Now, I, I'm, I'm like many of you. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit now about uh, that game that was on last night. And I don't know <laughs> for the life of me. I, I hate to keep repeating the same things, but it's football. And and that's the thing about repetition makes for profession, perfection in football. And so you've got to do things the same way all the time in order for you to be good. But it seems to me that there is a way of which a defensive back must play the pass. And if you don't lo- allow him to consistently play the pass a certain way, and you're going to be inconsistent with the way you call a game, it's going to be hard as hell for the defensive backs to get better. Now, one thing that you've taken away from us is the fear factor. There's no fear for wide receivers playing this game anymore. So a wide receiver now, some of the fastest people in the world, can come off the ball at lightning speed. Now, we can jam them at the line of scrimmage, but the fact of the matter is, if you miss them at the line of scrimmage, it's not like when they get down the field beyond the five yards, and by the way, after that second step, they're, they're beyond five yards. So they take one, two, bam, they're gone. You can't touch them anymore. And you've 
taken away the fear factor, which means we can't just, you know, take them out. And again, I'm not. Am I am I condoning and promoting taking them out? I don't know. See, I'm so mixed up because of the way, again, I'm I'm wired because that's the way that's what they did to me. Uh, but they, the National Football League, uh, starts off that young, too. Grade school, high school, college, you try to emulate them. But the fact of the matter is, defensive backs, if, if we want this game entertaining, will somebody out there please tell them that defense is entertaining, too? And let the defensive players play ball. You know, I, I, I would like to say that it was a sloppy game last night because of penalties, but I'm not going to say that the game was sloppy because of penalties. I'm going to say that it's football. You know, football is a collision sport. You're trying to make it a contact sport. We don't want football to be a contact sport. At least not the kind of contact that that you're not you're allowing you either are or are not allowing us to have, and you're not allow us to, allowing us to have the kind of contact that 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 we for some reason or another we hate that. We we hate, we, we we want collisions. So we're contacting people, and you're penalizing us for contacting people, and that's making it like a little sissy sport. Come on, let me touch a guy. If I can't touch him 15 yards down the field, at least when I'm going up, if I'm making an attempt for the ball, let me be able to engage him as long as I'm making an attempt on the ball. And then you can make a judgment call then if I'm really making an attempt on the ball. Or if I'm just trying to deceive you to believe that I'm making an attempt on the ball so that he won't catch it because I got beat. Now, speaking of getting beat, that's another thing I have. You know, part of the reason why, you know, there's so many penalties as well is because technique wise, you know, DBs aren't playing with a whole lot of technique anymore. And so, therefore, they're getting beat and they're trying everything they possibly can to recover. And in recovering, they are interfering. Now, I'm not saying all of the plays that are being called are are truly pass interference. I'm saying some of them are, and I'm, but I'm saying that there's others that you're just calling the game entirely too close. I'm also saying technique-wise, guys are breaking down on their technique. And because of that, then they got to do whatever they can. Now, here's what I think the solution could be to this whole pass interference thing. Cut out the, you know, if the, the ball's thrown into the end zone, putting the ball on the one-yard line when it was a 60-yard pass. There should not be any 60-yard penalties in the National Football League. I mean, if you listen to the guys at the end of the game, Steve Young is saying, just throw the ball up. Just throw it up. Get a guy who's 6'5", you know, against a guy who's, you know, 5'10", and throw the ball up. He's going to try. They're both going to try to jump up. Well, you know, the little guy is going to be called for a pass interference. Come on. That's not what the game is meant to be. Let him compete. So if you want to continue to call pass interference the way you call it, make the maximum yardage for a, a pass interference infraction 15 yards. That will eliminate all this other BS that's going on. Then I won't be so upset about the pass interference calls. And I think that you'll see a different game. But you can't just give the offense all, all you know, gosh, they've got so many advantages. It, it, it's like, I mean, when you got a pro football player like Kwame Lazar say he cut the game off because of, you know, it was a sloppy game. You don't, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that at all. But, you know, I, when you when you look at the game last night, and everybody's tooting the horn of Aaron Rodgers. Listen, I, I, here's what I have to say. I, I never understood this, and I don't understand the philosophy of those people who do believe this. When you're talking about a most valuable player, 
and you're talking about the most valuable player of the league. You do have most valuable players on teams, but I don't believe that one can be the most valuable player of the league if indeed their team doesn't win the championship. I, I believe that the most valuable player of the league should come from the team that wins it all. Because if you're talking about the most valuable player of the league, you know, suppose something happens and, and you make it to the playoffs, you get beat in the first game. Are you really the most valuable player of the league? I don't know about that. You're the most valuable player of that team, but are you truly the most valuable player of the league? I don't I, I just don't know about that. So I've I've got some I've got some concerns about you know who's who and what's what. I, I just I, I'm just not really feeling that. So what somebody's got to do is somebody's got to tell me why a person should be most valuable player, you know, of a league when indeed, you know, they the Dallas Cowboys. Let's say an example of if it were Tony Romo and he they can't even win a game in December, but if they make it to the playoffs, and I think they have a few times, and they and they lose the first game, but statistically he had great statistics. And so they vote him as the most valuable player. They can't win a game. How can he be the most valuable player of the league when they can't win a playoff game? So that is that that that's 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 where my that's where my problem is at. I I just have a problem with that. So so when I look at Aaron Rodgers and everybody talks about his statistics, listen, I, just the sheets of paper that they have when you're watching them on ESPN, grab one of those pieces of paper and read that. That piece of paper doesn't tell you everything. That's that's what they're taking it from, the statistics on paper. But you don't win a football game on paper. You win a football game on the field. And if you're the most valuable player in the league, your football team should be winning some games. And they should be, you know, like one of the one of the t- those that people think could possibly win the Super Bowl. And if you ask me to put my money on the Green Bay Packers and then winning the Super Bowl, no. I, I, I just w- I wouldn't do that. And I, and I doubt that there's very many people out there now that would do that. I would still think that everybody else, like me, they probably think, well, still, there's the Minnesota, aren't the Minnesota Vikings still hanging around there in that division? Doesn't the Super Bowl have to go through Minnesota right now instead of Green Bay? So, yeah, he, he's the most valuable player of that team. But is he the most valuable player of the league? I don't even think he should be in that conversation. Obviously, you got two guys that their teams are undefeated right now. So if we're talking about at this point, the most valuable players of the league at this point, come on. There's no doubt about it. The two quarterbacks, their teams are undefeated. What else would you think? Who else would you think? Come on, man. You got to give Drew Brees and Peyton Manning their props. They right now are the two co-most valuable players of the National Football League at this point in time. Rayella Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm going to take a break and I'll be right back. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. We'll keep 
guess they do. That's cool. I can come back. I don't mind coming back early. Anytime I can come back and get a couple extra minutes, I'll take them. You listen to Rail Sports on the Voice America Network. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, finish this segment out last night. You know, Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens went into Green Bay last night. And it, I, I thought it was a pretty good game. You know, you take the penalties away. You know, it was a pretty good game. You got to understand, you know, th- I think that's like the, that may be the first or second Monday night football game that they've ever had in Green Bay. And, and part of the reason why they, sh- first of all, they shouldn't have it late in the season. I think it was the second. I think of the first one they may have had. If I, I could be wrong, but I believe Brett Favre had lost his dad and there was a Monday night game. And I think that game was in Green Bay. I watched that. And Brett was like off the chain. You know, I was earlier talking about, you know, life and, and Brett had lost his father. And, and that was a very difficult moment for him. But he made that decision to play because he knew that his father, watch this connection now, he knew that his father would want him to play that game. Even though his father was in heaven, he couldn't be with his father. Shout out to Randall Cunningham. That was a good game last night, though. There were bits and pieces of it where it was bad. It was ugly football, but that was it, it was it was a it was a good football game. Let me let me go and talk about another football game since I'm talking about Brett Favre. Brett Favre, the Arizona Cardinals. Now he, he, here is a man that again everybody perceives him to be a perfect role model, you know, and 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 I like him, you know, as a quarterback. We're talking Kurt Warner, Arizona Cardinals. I like him as a quarterback. What he and his wife and his children do, that's up to them. But he has earned my respect on the football field as a quarterback. But here is a man who's getting close to 40. I think Kurt's like 38. And, and Kurt's trying to make a decision on what's best for him and his family. He's got these concussions. He wants to continue to play with his kids when he's done with this game. He's earned a good living from this game. But he's concerned about it. And, and going back to that locker room, well, I didn't bring it up, but the locker room, man, Hey, fellas, stop looking at each other like you're crazy because you're hurt. You, any NFL players out there, current NFL players that have never gone to NFL.com, and players, believe me, players, we do this thing. They have gotten us to the point where, again, they deceive us so much in this business of what information is factual and what's not factual, what we need to know, what we don't need to know, how much media you need to listen to, how much you don't. Go to NFL.com and you look on injuries. Look how many players are out there that are injured. Now you got a couple guys that are acknowledging that they got concussions. So Kurt had a thing, and Kurt went back out there and played. Now I guess you can't have a concussion, take a week or so off, and come back and play like Kurt Warner if you got that talent. You got to have that talent to play that good. And there was something that just was a little uncanny about Brett Favre's performance. I mean, this stage, this was a big stage. It was Sunday Night Football. This was a big stage for Brett Favre to come out. Now, Brett doesn't really have, they both, neither one of those guys have anything to prove in terms of their resume and their body of work that needs to be enhanced in order to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. They, they will be there. I think they're both first ballot guys. But sometimes... When great players get a chance to play against each other, you want to be able to walk away and you want to have bragging rights. That's one thing I've said on this show many times is I can shake Hall of Famers hands and I can look them in the eyes. And I don't have a problem with it. 
Not a, not a problem. I, I I like to know why certain people have a problem with certain things that I might have done. I can't find any pictures of me out there of some things that I've done. But that's okay. It, it ain't about me. It's about when you meet your colleagues, you want to be able to look them in the eye and know, that, hey, yeah, yeah, I got you. You didn't get me. I got you. And so in this particular game, when the Hall of Famers get together, Kurt Warner's going to know when it was that time when they were old men in the sport that he performed now, again, a couple years was a lot of age. But Kurt Warner, he did his thing. So uh, Brett Favre, Kurt Warner, Kurt came out on top of that one. The Dallas Cowboys and the Giants. Hey, listen, that, that, was a, that was a grudge match. And you can believe when you play a team and somebody feels like you took a, sh- a cheap shot at them, you play them again, it's going to be on. That's the bottom line. It's, it's going to be on. And, and the Dallas Cowboys knew that if they were going to play the Giants again, they knew they was going to be on. And, uh, and the Giants, uh, you know, I just, I just like the New York Giants football team. You know, the New York Giants football team, and, you know, they've been this way for years. I mean, when you play the Giants, you're going to play. you got to come play football. They come prepared. They, they've always had a balanced game. They can run. They can pass. Shout out to Phil Sims. Uh, I mean, Phil Sims is a, a person. I, Phil is a guy. I remember one time Phil threw a ball over the middle. He probably threw it down the field about 20, 25 yards. Yeah, let's, let's say about 20 yards. He dropped back about, about 27, 30 yards. All in. Phil threw the ball to his receiver. And his refi- uh, Somebody took him out. I don't know who it was. He wore number 24. Phil sprinted all the way down the field to check his receiver out because he knew he shouldn't have. Well, he did the best he could, but it's almost like when the ball left his hand, he was chasing that ball because he knew he, was, he had laid his man out. And, you know, back in my day, they lay him out, you take him out, you know. And uh, But Phil ran down the field. So I have so much respect for Phil Sims as an analyst and as a football player. I just like Phil Sims. And, and I've been liking the Giants since then. I mean, Phil, again, great, great, great receivers. Ah, not always had great receivers, had very good receivers, but they had quarterbacks. And they continue to have quarterbacks that are good passers. And they, they pass with accuracy. They put the ball and deliver it where it needs to be. Don't throw a whole lot of interceptions. They take care of the ball. And the running game always complements that. And so, therefore, they end up winning games. That's why they got Super Bowls. And as I said, uh, shout out to Phil. He's got a couple of them, man. I just pray and wish his son was in better shape and better health. Uh, it's a lot of pressure to follow uh, uh, when your dad's got Super Bowl rings. But uh, just shout out to Phil Sims. Hey, New England Patriots, uh, the Patriots, are they in trouble? Yes, the Patriots are in trouble. It's time for us to say that. This is not the Patriots, as Tony Dungy's been saying. Everybody's been, this is not your New England Patriots that were winning those Super Bowls. And, it, 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 you know, my man, shout out to Fish, they always say it's not a time to, to rebuild but to reload. But when you reload, sometimes Fish helped me out on this one now. You got to put the right bullets in there. So you got to say, okay, you, you can't reload a sawed-off shotgun with some 22 bullets. So I'm saying that the New England Patriots need to look at some positions. And I want to bring Fish in because right now I believe that this is the time of year. Where there are some teams out there, Cleveland Browns ain't going nowhere. They're going to be, for, for some time now, they're going to be fans of football, those guys on the team. 
and what's happening, I'd like to know if, if now the scouts may have got the word from the coaches that I need this kind of bullet so I can reload. And Fish, you can let us know that. Have you been? Have you gotten instructions now to look for a certain kind of bullet? Don't bring in a twenty-two for a sawed-off shotgun, because I think the New England Patriots—they always carry that big weapon, a sawed-off shotgun. They need some bullets. They gotta—they gotta reload with some bullets that'll facilitate that sawed-off shotgun, because see, they—they they, they big time. They win Super Bowls. That is a franchise of which everybody looks to. That's what Jeffrey Lloyd said when he wanted to build a franchise. He wanted to look to the New England Patriots, to the Kraft family. Denver Broncos. Man, what is this thing with the Denver Broncos again? But the Denver Broncos, it was the Kansas City Chiefs, but that's okay. Any given Sunday, you can be beat. So whoever they send there to play, you better play. You better come ready. The Oakland Raiders did something to the, sorry about that fish, but the Oakland Raiders did something to the Steelers. So you got to come to play each and every time. Jacksonville, Jacksonville's trying to sneak up and, you know, before you know it, Jacksonville trying to get into the playoff picture. Wow. I said, we got to keep an eye on them. We, we really got to keep an eye on them. Indy did that thing with Tennessee. Everybody knew that was going to happen. We, we knew that was going to happen. So, I, I, you know, I, that, was, that was expected of them. So the Cincinnati Bengals. Wow. Cincinnati Bengals. Ray Ray, shout out to you, man. I like the way you explained the way. Uh, uh, well, let me say, let me say, let me turn that around. Ucho Cinco, Chad, I like the way you explained the way Ray Ray did his thing to you, man. I love it. It's funny as heck. Check him out on YouTube. He tells you about that hit that Ray Ray put on him. <laughs> that is just, man, that's off the chain, man. Keep on doing your thing there. Ucho Cinco, Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati, just I told you guys earlier this season, I've uh, Chad. Ucho Cinco, best wide receiver. I'll get. I'll take him anytime. Donovan McNabb and the boys from Philly flew on down there to Atlanta and and gave Michael Vick a chance to redeem himself on the football field. Now I know there's many people out there. Again, they got it mixed up. His role off off of the football field. It's not his responsibility to you and your kids on how you do your thing. That's fine. So a lot of dog fighters down there. I don't condone it. As a matter of fact, I'm scared of dogs. Had one. He's in doggy heaven right now, Yama. But I'm scared of dogs. But I had that one. But that's over with now. So on the football field, Michael Vick came back and did his thing. Man, that's hey, Kwame, all the other fellows out there, Mac, B&E, Double D, Damien, man, Joe, Jeff. All the fellas out there, Lemont, I know I need more time, too. <laughs> You've been listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice of America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Hard hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard hitting radio is on with McMillan and Evans. 
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.